from the visionary minds of the guys who brought you the hit series, Reboot, comes movies we were way too young to see. A podcast series that is exactly what it sounds like. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special Father's Day edition of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. A look at some of the most influential films we grew up watching, regardless of parental approval. I am your co-host for today's episode, Mrs. Euphigenia Doubtfire, and sitting next to me, for the first time, the man, the myth, the mouth. What a pleasant surprise, everybody. We got Mrs. D in the studio. Definitely... The nanny I wanted as a kid. Oh, we would have had so much fun, Mouth. Oh, you're melting an old lady's heart. We would have baked some delicious cookies. Ooh, I love that. We would have read some great books. Yeah. And we would not have seen these movies you were too young to see. <laughs> you're too funny, Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't think there would have been a way you could have stopped me. <laughs> well, agree to disagree. They always say, I'm stern but fair. And they always say... I'm clever and sneaky. <laughs> Bite the mouth on you, Mal. <laughs> if I was your nanny back then, I would have slapped you in front of your parents. And if you did that, I would have spat in your face, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> We're really going to do the whole show I hope like not, this? please. You're kind of being a bitch right now, Mrs. Oh, Doubtfire. Oh, we're going to do this on Father's Day nonetheless. Ooh, enlighten us. How does Mrs. Doubtfire celebrate Father's Day? Okay, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Hello and welcome to Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. Thank you, Euphigenia. I think we will take it from here. I am your co-host, Mowgli, and sitting next to me, as always, the man, the myth, the Malv. Malv, happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day, everybody! What a cool day. Hopefully you guys are having fun listening to this whenever you are listening to this. Malv, we had a tough time deciding which Father's Day movie we would do for this episode, yes? Oh, yeah. There's so many to pick from. But I do think this one was near and dear to both of us. Very funny. And hopefully you guys have a great time listening to this, yes? Oh, they will. Well, without further ado, I think it's time to get into the movie we were way too young to see for the week. One that, in all honesty, I think I'm still too young to see. You're right, bro. I was rewatching this and I was like, what? There's so many jokes I didn't get. You know, <laughs> Jokes and themes that just flew over my head. And then when I finally got them, I was like, oh, the pain, the anguish. Only Robin Williams can do that in a humorous way. Truly. But yes, we are talking about the 1993 drama, family, comedy, Mrs. Doubtfire. If you didn't grow up watching this, I'm sorry. Right? I thought that, like, to me, this honestly has to be like a rite of passage. This like, is such it, a cool movie. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's rewatchable. A story that affects a lot of people and done in a very fresh take. Yeah, I think it's a fresh take, too. And especially, you know, we'll keep talking about this as we go on. But I was still busting out laughing. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Euphigenia. She'll be making a couple appearances every now and then. Let's get into the logline. After a bitter divorce, an actor disguises himself as a female housekeeper to spend time with his children held in custody by his former wife. Wow. Now this is a good dad right here. The lengths <laughs> he would go to see his children, that's the kind of example he's trying to set, right? <laughs> you would, would you do this, Mal? I don't know. For my kids, probably not. <laughs> oh, but this cast and crew, bro, let's talk about it. Like, it was a phenomenal cast, and I think that's what helps it out, bro. You have three top-notch A-list actors, you know, like, just that, I would say, probably their prime, like, acting at the time. This is literally some legendary stuff. Let's start with the top billing. 
uh, one Mr. Robin Williams. Go. Malv, I'm going to tell you this right now <laughs> while the fucking weed's in me. <laughs> Shout out to Eminem. <laughs> this is definitely a top three Robin Williams movie all time for me. Number one, Aladdin. Number two, Jack. Nice. Number three, Mrs. D. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. What about you? Uh, my three, honestly, I think people probably hate it, but for sure, I know my number one is Jumanji. I got to put That's number one? That's number one for me. I love that movie, and I think Robin Williams is great in that. Two, Aladdin. Just too good in that, and I love it because you just see everything that you don't see from Robin Williams. Like, you just hear him. You know, but all those movements in Aladdin, like, those are him. And the third one, I bet no one has this, is the birdcage. Oh, I love yeah, it. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh, that one just missed the cut. That and Hook just missed Hook, the cut for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But this is just top three. Flubber. These, Flubber. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> Old dogs. Oh, hey, I actually do like that movie. Dead Poet Society. I've never seen. One Hour Photo. I love it. That was crazy. If you want to see serious Robin Williams, watch One Hour Photo. Hey, this movie could have been that. <laughs> True. No, no, no. Definitely. There yeah. is an R-rated version of this. Yeah. We'll get to that at the end. But yes, that's just one of the stars of this movie. We have Sally Field. Mal, she is an EGOT recipient, yes? My, my God, yes, she is. And if you guys don't know what an EGOT recipient is, it's a E for Emmy, G for Grammy. Oh, but she got two of them. She got two Oscars, and she's got a Tony, bro. So Sally Field, the flying nun, she's amazing, bro. Wow, all I have to say is we love her. We really love her. <laughs> oh, shit, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and to round it off, we have James Bond. Our James Bond. Our James Bond. Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> now let's go to the supporting cast, the children of the story, because they're just as good. Mara Wilson. If Classic. you don't know that name, she played Matilda. She played young Natalie. She stole each scene she was in. Definitely as adorable as they come. You Lisa know. Jacob. She played the older sister, Lydia. Uh, it's a great story behind the scenes between Lisa Jacob and Robin Williams. Robin Williams wrote her school a letter, right? Yeah. Because she was going to get kicked out for filming this movie. Robin Williams was like, hey, don't kick her out. We're filming a movie. Guess what? They still kicked her yeah. out, but they <laughs> framed, <laughs> they framed the, 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 the letter. Right. So, you know, that's the silver lining there. And to round it off, Mal's true childhood crush, Matthew Lawrence. Stop. Yo, Mal, Stop. Mal was in love with the Lawrence bros, bro. Hey, they ran, uh, they ran uh, TGIF, ABC, ABC Family. Disney Channel. Yeah, they were all I, about that. I love Matthew Lawrence and like only the true, true, real nerds like us will know. Boy Meets World. That too, that's, the, that's his second, but... Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. If I'm anybody smiling. knows that. I'm smiling that you're saying that right now. That was, <laughs> that was the show. That was my shit. That was the know? shit. I had the doll. So never talk shit about Matthew Lawrence, all right? He was a samurai ninja, bro. <laughs> well, bring up the director. Oh, Come on, shit. we got to bring the director and writers. Oh, exactly. And the makeup effects team. Mm, yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's the cast. Let's go ahead and do the crew. We got a couple of very talented writers for this. This was actually based off of a book. Yeah, it's, it's based off a book called Madame Doubtfire, and it was written in 1987. It was a young adult novel, and it was based off of a family with divorced parents. So mm. the source material is not that different from the film material. The writer of that book was a woman named Anne Fine, and the screen adaptation was written by two people, Randy Mayem Singer and Leslie Dixon. The director, we can't forget this guy, heavyweight, Chris Columbus. If you don't know what he's done, let me just pull up a couple of the films under his resume, okay? Home Alone 1. Home Alone 2. 
Mrs. Doubtfire, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Wow, amazing, dude. And Malv, I don't know if you know this, Chris Columbus actually discovered the Americas as well. What? Yeah, this is that same dude. Whoa, this guy's talented. He's fucking talented. (laughs) And the final people we wanted to give a shout out to, the makeup department. They won the 1994 Academy Award. Greg Kenom, Van Neal, and Yolanda Tusing. Not bad, not bad. Get that Oscar. They earned it. Okay, Malv, it's not movies we were way too young to see unless we reveal the age in which we actually saw this movie. So, Malv, how old were you when you first saw this? So this came out in 93. For me, I'm going to be honest with you, this movie for sure I remembered in my childhood as being an Oni TV rerun movie. I know this was always on channel 5, 9, or 11. I can't remember which channel, but that's the only time I watched this movie. So before, like, age of 11. But it's so memorable. Like, I didn't even have to own it, and I remembered pretty much the whole movie. You know what I mean? I'm shocked. I own this movie. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> I, I, yeah, this was on repeat from, like, age 5 to age 11. This was definitely one of those on constant rotation. I can't remember the first time I saw it, but definitely I saw it alone. I saw it with my sister. I saw it with my family. I just remember it watching it all the time. All right, well, let's get into the actual movie itself. There's so much to discuss. We're probably not going to get through all of the movie in the short time that we have, but we would like to talk about the things that stuck out to us the most. Mal, do you have anything to mention first off the bat? For me, it's definitely, we could start with the opening sequence to this movie because I was just in awe again as an adult of how good Robin Williams actually is. Like I said, Aladdin is the spotlight of one of Robin Williams' talents of how to go quick, you know, like, like that is so hard to do. Like, you have to be on point, especially even when you're switching up. Malv, you have to either be on point or on cocaine. <laughs> and Robin Williams <laughs> is on both. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, like, that's why I love the beginning because it starts out with, like, it helps out and sets out the scene. You know, he's a voice actor and he's doing his job and you see it. And, like, the great thing about it is, like, to me, if you know and love Robin Williams, you know that's not really acting. You know, that's like him, and he's just going at it. You know, he's doing all those voices for the cartoon that he's seeing, that he's voicing over at the beginning of the movie, and you're just like, how can somebody do this? One person do, like, three voices. It was so sick, dude. And that actually kind of incepted me. Side quest. That kind of gave me encouragement to do voice acting and stuff like that, what we're doing right now, because I enjoyed that scene so much. I saw how much fun he was having with the Figaro. And just, and just, just like the whole... The Tweety Bird parody was like, oh, no, help me, help me, oh, no. And I was just like, yeah, I still I still have a lot of fun. I, like, I'd laugh so much when I was watching that scene. And then when he's like, oh, no, I gave up smoking. And then he sees, like, is this fine? Do you guys condone smoking for these children? And everyone is just smoking. Okay, all the other, like, corporate heads are just, they're all smoking, looking right. at him, like. And then it's super meta, too, because kids are watching this movie because it's Mrs. Doubtfire. So it's just, like, meta on top of meta on top of meta. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And it's just another layer of super funniness. Moving on from that, though, uh, I think the next major important scene, the I want a divorce scene. So after the house party that Robin Williams has thrown for his son, which, by the way, had the uh, jump around House of Pain. That was the first time I ever heard that song. <laughs> the Mrs. Doubtfire? Jump around. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, Mrs. Doubtfire had a sick-ass soundtrack, dude. We had Jump Around. We had Dude Looks Like a Lady. We had Walk awesome. Like a Man. We'll and then it. we had uh, Luck Be a Lady. And that was my first introduction to all those songs, and they're still freaking on rotation oh, yeah, I play those. on the radio yeah. all the time. <laughs> I still play them myself. So I love shout Frankie out, Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I love Frankie Valley. Exactly. Side quest: They filmed Jersey Boys at my church. Ooh, nice. Shout out to Saint Vincent Hollywood's church. That's what I'm dubbing it. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> 
going back to the I want a divorce scene, that was a very intense-ass scene. And that was actually a perfect example of me being too young to understand the concept of that. Here's Robin Williams. He's just trying to be a good dad. And Sally Field's character, Miranda, comes in. She's overwhelmed. She's flustered. She's always painted as this villain, and she's tired of this stuff. And you really see the heartbreak in, in Robin Williams. He's just trying to be a oh, good yeah. dad. Especially in the kitchen. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to point out the musical score in this. I'm talking about the soundtrack, but the score itself, we have a continuous flute playing. And that's kind of the theme of the movie. And once they have that moment there, you have the flute coming in. It's soft and it's light by itself. And I think what that's doing, it's reminding the audience that while the subject matter of this movie is heavy, it's inspiring a bit of hope and optimism. And uh, I'm just going to tie it. I'm going to bookend it to the last line of the film, which is said by Mrs. Doubtfire. It's, you're going to be all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we have that flute again. This time it's more layered in with all the stems and all the background music as well. But that was one of the first times where I hear, do-do-do-do-do-do. So uh, definitely rewatching it now, I can kind of see the layers of the filmmaking, and I noticed the sound this time. Well, I like that you brought that up, because honestly, I didn't really think of that. Like, I had, like, a little, like, seed of it, but, like, what you're saying, uh, the last line, like, everything's going to be all right. Like, that's what I love about this movie, and especially that it's Robin Williams, and then especially, like, you know his ending now. Right, like the the heartache that he must have had with his life and like especially with the illness that he had at the end of his life. But to like every comedian you always hear are like always, they have trauma, right? Like I feel like this movie and especially a lot of the movies that Robin Williams was making were that great heartfelt kind of movies to say like everything's okay. Therapeutic release, would you say? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, they're especially with kids, divorce kids. I'm. Uh, I don't know if any of our listeners out there are children of divorce, but I don't know. Did you guys have any kind of movies or film that you guys went to that talked about it? Hopefully, this one. Well, it, this one seems like a perfect one. You know, like this deals about it in a lot of ways. Even in the movie, Robin Williams' character, he tells his kids, "Like this is not your fault. You guys didn't do anything. You know, this is between me and mom, grownups. You know, and I feel like." Uh, kids especially like they gloss over things sometimes and like they feel like they cause a lot of the problems and like in this movie robin williams he show he shows that heart he has only robin williams would be able to pull off a scene like that maybe jim carrey but i i think jim carrey would have been mm. a bit more wacky i think robin williams performance especially after dead poet society it kind of showed his range and the dramatic side it's a very appropriate choice for this movie and yeah, let's move on to the next kind of scene, which transitions into Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack. Yeah, I didn't get that back then. That's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I didn't understand that they were a couple, yeah. but I always thought it was cool. <laughs> I was like, look at all this makeup. Look at all this movie stuff. They're talking about being on set. And it's like two dudes living together. <laughs> wow. That's the life. That's just the life. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, Harvey Feinstein's voice. Oh, oh my God. So iconic. I can't, I can't even do it. It's so good. <clears throat> Yow from Mulan. Do you remember that? He was in Mulan. He was in uh, that Independence voice iconic, Day. bro. Yeah. You, you'll hear that voice. Even any casual movie goer be like, hey, I've heard that, you know? Super cool. Matchmaker, matchmaker, <laughs> make me a match. Catch me a catch. Something like that. No, well, and, and, then, and then going to the actual luck be a lady montage where they try the different appearances like they go for a very cuban style barbara streisand yeah, very old so jewish grandma and when they finally get to there um well the like, fun well the funny thing you brought that i got like a i did some of my research again this week this guys you know uh the director christopher columbus said that he and fellow uh filmmakers looked through hundreds and hundreds of photographs until finding 
a 1940s era woman to base Mrs. Doubtfire's look on. You know, so like tension to detail that that helped got the Oscar. You know that the next funny scene for me is when Daniel is meeting his court liaison and he does his famous I do voices. scene. Yeah. I do voices. Yeah. And then he just does like Figaro again. I love he it. does all of his like Marx Brothers impressions. And then the, the one that kills me, I can do a great impression of a hot dog. <laughs> he just stands there idle. I, I died last night watching that. I was like, my God, genius. I used to do that so much as a kid. I used to spam the shit out of that. No. Yeah, I bet everyone was just like, shut the fuck up, little kid. <laughs> but I loved it. So so much. Um, oh, man. Another scene that really sticks out to me is when he finally moves into his new place, mm. and it's kind of just wild, and just, <laughs> he was going for the wilderness motif look, where he just fled his country. And I understood that way more now. He's just taking a, a jab at Miranda. He's like, yeah. yo, well, this is my home. I had to make do what I had to make do, so... No, I love that refugee line. It's still one of my favorites. Like, yeah. it's just too good. Like, you know who steals that scene, though? Mara Wilson. Yes. We're his goddamn kids, too. <laughs> and just like, kids say the darndest things. Right. I love that. Yeah. Love that. yeah, she kills me. That's also where the newspaper ad, we, we bring it into play. Mm, and some. that's kind of the tipping off point. That's where the end of the first act, would you say? Yeah. I, I think right, like, when he turns well when he actually starts doing like the phone calls and stuff like that was just good too like him prank call that kills him. me that especially the Hispanic one <laughs> I am Job <laughs> as a Hispanic person I think that's hilarious I think Robin Williams is funny as heck I do not feel offended at all yeah so uh, yes it, it never felt that like from Robin Williams that it was coming out of, like of malice you know or anything it no. was just being humorous he was becoming that character or like even if it was like a stereotype at least. He painted that mind, that that character in your mind. You already had it in your yeah, mind. So extravagant, yeah. so extravagant, so over the top. I loved it. I loved it, and that's part of Robin Williams' style. That bus driver probably makes him feel oh a lot better. Oh, my God. Yeah, the pervert. Like, oh. He's not a pervert. He's, oh, he's, just, just, he's just a lonely old man, and he sees, a, he sees another elderly woman who, who, happens to have, old love. who happens to have a Mediterranean look. <laughs> Quote, unquote, Mediterranean. <laughs> hairy. The hairy legs. He don't mind that. Let him, oh, dude. That was Let so him. so funny, too. Like, Re- just those little bits there. Reminds me of Some Like It Hot. But that, too, like, it just... Where's, you know, that's all the comedy pieces. And, like, this movie is filled with, like, good just physical bits you know like there's just so many like one of my favorites is when he actually has to talk to like the court liaison and like in his house and he has to be both daniel and mrs doubtfire you know when he takes off his mask like that's just really true comedy bits there it's a classic scene man he's juggling the dynamic between those two different personalities. He's switching off. He doesn't want to reveal that it's the same person. And then you have the Asian neighbors. I love that. Those little kids, <laughs> those are little kids laughing. I used to love that. Like yeah. just watching them laugh while he was just like changing. And then his his mask gets run over. Well, no, what I love right before it falls over, like they're just laughing because he's trying to take off his clothes off in a quick manner, you know, because he has to switch up into like you know Mrs. Doubtfire or back to Daniel. And then like the 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 face falls into the street, and then like they just start laughing because they can see the panic that. Robin Williams is in and like I just love their laughter they just like laugh at him hilarious you guys have to see it like watch that scene and just laugh if you need a good laugh one of the scenes that really stuck out to me the most was the pool scene when we were actually introduced to oh charming Stu Dunmire how is he I love how much shit Robin (laughs) I love how much shit Robin Williams talks to him just like backhanded compliments all the time but when they go to the pool he's just moving in on his family and Robin Williams literally mutters that like uh, underneath his breath. He's yeah. like, I'll just sit here and watch you move in on my family. The, uh, the level of patience are just like, I don't even know. Well, how would you handle these situations, Malv? I wouldn't even be in a dress, bro. You wouldn't even be in a dress? I would have murdered that fool already. <laughs> <laughs> the rage, the passion. Uh, 
I don't know, bro. Like, that shit's crazy. Like, come on. I know you. people say they do everything for their kids, but this is insane right here. This is that yeah. next level tip, bro. That's what, he, that's what I was showing. Like, he was about to kill him. He goes and tries to commit. He almost kills Stu in actuality. The story progresses, and he finds out that Stu is allergic to pepper. And what does he do? He what puts if, pepper on his shrimp. Wow. Come on. That's something I would do. That bleeds his <laughs> <yeah. laughs> fucking mouth. <laughs> That leads us into the final kind of major scene, the Bridges scene, because that's where Daniel's character, his like work persona, and his Mrs. Doubtfire, they both clash. He has to do it again, man. He has to play both characters at once. And in the apartment scene earlier, that was difficult, and there's only two fucking people. Now you have a whole restaurant and your whole cast, and you have to play two different... Like, right? I, he's a genius, bro. Like... Not only that, dude, it reminds me of the whole idea of the sequel is always bigger and broader and more intense. This feels like a sequel within the movie. Oh, yeah, to the scene? Yeah, yeah, the sequel to the scene. Yeah, because you have that first scene where he managed it, and then this one, it's like everything is so much yeah. bigger, and he's getting drunker and drunker. That's the funniest. And, I love and, that. And, you know, he's meeting with the TV station manager talking about a potential TV show, like that'll solve all of his problems. Yep. And at the same time, he's at a birthday dinner for his wife with the dude who she's like falling in love with. So it's just like... And the kids, and the kids, and the kids, and he's trying to kill him. So it's just like (laughs) only Robin Williams could pull that scene off in the way it did. The the physical comedy and just the wittiness and the banter, the Heimlich maneuver when he finally gets revealed, and then like, I guess at that time the two older kids knew that it was it was still his dad, Mm -hmm. but then the younger one Natalie finally reveals it because his mask falls off, and she's like, "Daddy," and that's kind of where Sally feels like the whole time, Daniel, the whole time. It just really, you could really feel the emotion and the embarrassment that everyone felt. You feel at that moment where he was juggling his family and his career, both of them seem like they have just collapsed. And it just seems like all hope is lost, right? But in that moment, you do have Sally Field's character. She's taken more of a role being a mother. Because previously, it was Mrs. Doubtfire making the food doing all the prepping. When we have that scene where they're talking about what they miss about Mrs. Doubtfire, mm. they're all cooking together. Mm, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so there is a little bit of evolution within Miranda's character in that. Ultimately, though, they get interrupted, and that's where they, oh, hello, <laughs> they hear the TV. Yeah. And, well, guess what? He made it. Despite all that shit, he still loves his kids. Miranda knows that. She's willing to compromise, and uh, it looks like, at the end, we had mentioned, you know, it's not your, you're going to be all right. That was the last lines, and they drive away. So it still feels like Miranda, are they patching up things, or are they going to live separately? No, nah, they're done. They're you think done. they're done? They're done. I thought that while I watched it, but then I did my research. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> well, the studio, they wanted a happy ending, obviously, the one where they get all together. But the cast, the crew, Christopher Columbus, like, nah, man, like, just leave it a little bit more like this, open-ended-ish. You ambiguous? Know, but, ambiguous, but yeah, they really did get a divorce, but that was like what you were saying about like that whole theme of like things happen, but you know, we're able to go through these things, you know? We're able to come out all the tough things, all these horrible situations that we think we're in right now, we could eventually get through it, you know? Not every ending is the happy Hollywood ending, but that doesn't mean that... The, each ending isn't it happy you know what i mean like you said they're all content you know uh daniel robin williams character finally did what he really wanted to do he was starting out he was just a voice actor to hear jobs here and there now he got his opportunity to actually host his own show 
Hey, serious note though, that would have been a very funny potential spinoff idea, right? You have Mrs. Doubtfire, like a couple episodes as a bonus feature. Oh yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been super cool. And the like DVD, bomb. yeah, like yeah. in a deleted scene. I would like that. That'd be dope. Yeah, hire us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Actually, I'm surprised there's no actual products for this. It would have been so funny if they did like a Mrs. Doubtfire face cleaner, no. Ooh! <laughs> or something that you could eat edible. Cleanse your pores. Edible, yeah. an yeah. edible uh, cramp pleaser. Having Robin Williams be the star of this, I think, is a little bit even more makes the film more legendary. You know, yeah, definitely. He's he's that charismatic father figure, and that's what this episode was. Remember, this is a Father's Day episode. We were highlighting a dad who would go to the extreme lengths. A dad with faults, like many fathers. Yes, right. <laughs> a dad with many faults, but still willing to do whatever he needs to do to keep his family. Malv, would you do the same? Yeah, I probably kill Stu. <laughs> I like that answer. I like that answer. How about you? I know you would. You would do some crazy shit. I already know, bro. Um, thankfully, I'm not in that position yet, and we'll figure out that position when we get there, whenever that is. Uh, would you want Daniel Hillard as your father? He seemed like a cool dad. Yeah, he's like, yeah. you could sell the love, you know? Like, I think that's it. Like, you saw the love in him. It's like, yeah, my dad's poor as shit, you know? My mom, like, degrades him and stuff, but fuck it. He loves me. What we about have fun? <laughs> What about Mrs. Doubtfire as a nanny? Oh, well, Mrs. Uh, you said Mrs. Doubtfire as a nanny? Yeah. Ugh, I don't even know if I could masturbate at the house anymore. Of course you couldn't. <laughs> oh, I'd make sure you couldn't. You and your little sausage. I know. Pounding. <laughs> I, I know you would want a nanny for sure. You and your sister, like a Mary Poppins ass fucking nanny for sure. Hell yeah. You seem like a nanny boy. But no, no, uh, for, for real though, like it would be fun. I, I would want her like the kids have her on the weekend. Like a dad, like from, how would I, from three to seven. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be a nice one. At least to get a good dinner. I know she could cook now. Okay, well, could this film have been made today? God, no. You don't think so? Was Robin Williams too excessive? Um, no, but I don't. Th- I think that the culture isn't like that. I got like some cool stuff. I was like uh, researching that uh, the director Christopher Columbus actually said that he had so much footage of Robin Williams that he could literally make any of the ratings, this movie, any rating. Release the Columbus cut. (laughs) Warners. I want all you guys. We want all the orders. (laughs) We want a five-disc version. We want each cut was a different rating. I want the G-rated Doubtfire. I want the PG. That'd be sick, right? That'd be a sick-ass idea. If if it's true what he said, that he just filmed all this stuff, that'd be dope. Yeah, that would be sick. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, we are so over on time today, but that is what happens when we have fun recording these episodes. We were able to get someone to help us out with the outro, but Malv, I'm not sure what's going on there. Have you guys buried the hatchet? Everything all good now? No, but it doesn't matter because she's legally bound to finish the promos. Ooh, legally bound. I love those big words that big boy uses. Mowgli, I'll do this for you, but not for that Neanderthal co-host of yours. Whatever, bitch. Read the lines. We hope you had a blast listening to this. They always have a blast recording. Questions, comments, anything like that, feel free to email them at malvinmogli at gmail.com. Subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you listen on Apple, kindly rate them five stars. Oh, and then one more thing, if you could kindly follow them on social media at malv underscore n underscore mogli. Gentlemen, anything else before I take off? Yes! We just wanted to give a special Father's Day shout-out to all of our homies who are actually dads, right? Yep. Let's start it off. Will. Christian. Julian. Um. Vinny. Jose, a.k.a. Baby. And my dad. Happy Father's Day. 
And I want to shout out to my dad too. Happy Father's Day. I want to give a special shout out to my brother-in-law, Jose, as well. Um, Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day, and we will see you here next week.